Andrea. And I'm Aaron. We launched Fresh Faith in September. And we, you and us, have come together and we've reached how many? 41,800 people. With the message of Jesus. How awesome is that? Yeah, we've had countless stories and messages come into us messaging either Andrea or myself or the ministry and telling us that God is working in their lives and you are making a difference in the lives of people just like you. Thank you for your partnership with us. We're going to start something new. It is Philippians. Yeah, we're going to walk through the book of Philippians verse by verse. That's a little different than how we taught in the past. We really want to fill you up with the Word of God that can transform your life in a deep and rich way. Absolutely. It's so important. It makes a huge difference. Yep. And so with that said, get ready because this is Philippians. Hey, this morning we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start this chapter today and I think it's going to hit home. I think we're going to bring it home. Paul here begins to write his conclusion in chapter 4 and he gets real specific talking to a few different people specifically which reminds us we're reading somebody else's mail and um, we can still apply it to our lives even though it is being written from Paul to uh, particular individuals um, talking about particular individuals writing to a church. And so now we can take it, apply it to our lives, the truth that lies underneath of that surface. And so uh, let's kick off chapter four. And this is exactly what Paul says in Philippians chapter four, starting with verse one. He says, so then my dearly beloved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. What's he saying? Well, what's Paul saying here? And you have to remember, if, if he's talking about stand firm in this manner in the Lord, that what manner is he talking about? We have to go back to chapter 3 because he's actually concluding what he just talked about in chapter 3. And specifically, the last thing he mentions that he's speaking of here is that they should be focused on remembering that they're citizens of heaven not citizens of this world, as to not uh, pay attention to the, all of the hardship and all of the struggles and all of the stuff that's happening in life around them. Let me let me actually read it to you. Uh, he says that uh, here in, in, in verse 17, join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. Because I've often told you and say it again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. They're focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for this for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, stay focused on what matters. Let me let me preach real quick to you because this is going this is going to hit you right where it's at. All right, because it may sound um, biblical or whatever that whatever that means. Right, it might sound like it's. Um, far out there and unapplicable to you. It might sound like it's something that is way back when and very uh, just full of, of biblical rhetoric that maybe doesn't apply to your life, but it applies to your life in more ways than you probably want to admit right now. See, because how often do we waste our energy focusing 
on the things that are happening in this world that really do not matter. We focus on fighting other people, arguing our point, wanting to be right. We, we, we focus on, on what's happening in the political realm of things. It, so much so, there's nothing wrong with seeing it, nothing wrong with having an opinion on it, but we let it consume who we are and change our mood. When God has called us to focus on who he is and loving people, remembering that our citizenship isn't even in a particular country, but our citizenship is in heaven. Therefore, live that way. Don't get so caught up in what's happening around you politically, in what's happening around you nationally. When it comes to opinions and this and that, Remember that your citizenship is not to the USA or any other country in the world. Your citizenship lies in heaven. And, and, and when we do that and when we choose our focus and we choose Christ as our focus, it changes the way that we experience life we're walking through. Because no longer am I worried about this particular event that's happening in our society politically or what mandate has been given here or there. Instead, I'm just worried about loving the people God has placed around me today. The ones I will see, the ones I will speak to, not the ones that I'm typing to behind a, a, a tablet or a phone or a computer that I will never see today, will never experience today. The ones that God has not brought into my circle today to physically love. But when I can be focused on the people God has already put in my life physically to love around me today, I then will not be carrying the burdens and the stress of the political world and the physical world around me that I was never built to carry anyway. I would instead be focused on being who Jesus is, being love and light to the people around me. And I think that your life is stressed out it is burdensome simply because you and I choose to live a life carrying burdens and carrying stress that we were never designed to carry. We were designed to enjoy life and love the people around us. Instead, we focus on all of the things that are not about who we are in Christ or who others are in Christ. They're focused on kingdoms that don't really last forever. Keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the focus the focus. Keep Jesus at the center of your attention and life will be much less stressful because you're not worried about what law was passed. You're not worried about what mandate was lifted or given or removed. You're not worried about the opinions of others. You're worried about loving the people around you today and all of a sudden the sins of others no longer affect you. People that you don't even know. Instead, you do what you were called to do in your circle. And God has placed people in those circles to love those people well as well. Love the people around you and the rest will take care of itself. Be Jesus to the people around you. May it start with your family. And let that spur on a revolution of love that does have the power to change the world. 
Paul goes on and he says in verse two, he says, I urge you, Odia. Look, he's getting personal here. He's calling out, y'all. He is calling out two women in the church. Ready? This is what he says. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel with me. Let me say that again. Who have contended for the gospel at my side along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. He says, here's two women that are not getting along. I need you to get them to reconcile. These women who worked by my side. In other words, Paul, let me get practical here. If you're a woman and you've been told that you don't have a place in ministry, Paul here is affirming that these two women had a place by his side in ministry. Not below him. He doesn't even say above him. He says along his side. By his side. They were working alongside for the gospel's sake. And he wants them to get along because when they don't get along, they're living in contradiction to the gospel that they were preaching. And it's a, and, and it's a poor testimony to the love and unity that we find in Christ. And he says, I urge them to get along. Rejoice, take joy. Let me, let me, let me do this. Let me break this down for you because it's so good. It's so good. You got to hear it. It's amazing. You ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The word re means again. Joyce is the word for joy. Have joy again. Joy again. That's the way the word's broken down. Joy again. Have joy. Take joy again. And again, I say, he says, take joy. Take joy back. Have joy again in the Lord. And again, I say, have joy again. What he's saying is, you had joy. You inerrantly have joy when you inerrantly have Jesus. So when you know Jesus and God is in you, you have joy by default. It is a fruit, a product, a natural recurring incident and trait that only comes from knowing God. A fruit of the Spirit. You have it by default. No one can take the joy away from you. No one can take your joy. He, the word rejoice says that you had it, you lost it, and you're getting it back. No one can take your joy from you. You can only give it away. So we take our joy and we trade it in for stress, worrying about things that are not having to do with our citizenship in heaven. We take our joy and we trade it in for resentment because we like pride of always having to be right rather than extending forgiveness to somebody else. So therefore it takes root into our hearts and builds the fruit of resentment in our lives. And we trade in our joy for that. You cannot hold resentment and unforgiveness and joy at the same time. It does not coexist in the same person. You take one and you trade it for the other. It is an exchange. No one took your joy. I've heard people say, well, the devil took my joy. 
that person, they stole my joy. They did this to me and they stole my joy. But nobody stole your joy. You gave it away. You said, here, I am going to give you my joy for offense because I want to be offended by you. I receive this offense and I give you my joy. Because no one would be able to offend you if you always had a steady flow of forgiveness that flows out of the joy that the Holy Spirit produces in your heart and in your life. And so you take that flow and you stop it out of pride and you trade that joy in for offense and resentment and unforgiveness and bitterness and strife and wanting to be right. That's pride. And we trade our joy for that. And the only way you get your joy back is through reconciliation. The only way you get your joy back is through forgiveness extended. Is through lowering your pride and what he said in the previous chapters of humbling yourself. Take on that mindset of Christ. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Take on that mindset of Christ of being humble and God will exalt you. Become a servant to all. And you can't do that and be prideful at the same time. But he says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Take joy back. Because you're the one that gave it away and you have the power to get it back. When we start living like Christ, allowing his personality, his fruit, his spirit to live through our lives and love the people around us. He goes on and in verse five, he says, let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. It ties back into taking joy back. How do you take your joy back? You give grace. You give grace to people you don't want to give grace to. Most of us trade our joy in of being ungracious to ourselves. We don't want to give ourselves grace and we lose our joy because of it. And we need to learn to be gracious to other people. And sometimes the hardest person, the hardest person to be gracious to is yourself. Today, don't just give graciousness, receive graciousness. Let your graciousness be known by everyone. May your grace be what makes you famous, not what you do, not your achievements or your accomplishments, but be best known by who you are and the love you give and the grace you give and the mercy you extend. May your character and your integrity pave the path for your life because when that paves the way, no man can stop it. And then you will be known by who Jesus is in you. And he says in verse 6, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> isn't that easier said than done? My gosh, it's easier said than done, isn't it? Don't worry about anything. I heard it said recently, and I love this quote. Absolutely love it. Depression is the result of our living in the past. Anxiousness and worry is a result of our living in the future. True joy and true peace can only come by living in the present. That's good, isn't it? 
Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not here yet. This is the only moment you have been given. Live to the fullest in this moment. This moment is the most life-changing moment you will ever have because it's the only one that exists in your life right now. It's the only one that you can control. You can't control yesterday and you can no longer, or you cannot control tomorrow and you can no longer control yesterday, but you have full power to control who you are right now in this moment. This moment matters most. Forget, forget what lies behind and reaching forward to what is ahead is what Paul said. In other words, I forget what lies behind so that I can reach forward to what is ahead by living to the fullest with the moment I've been given today. Don't worry about anything. It, Joyce Meyer says this. I love this quote by Joyce Meyer. She says, worry is down payment on a problem you may never have. That's good right there. That is so good. Worry is down payment on a problem you may never have. So why worry? Don't worry about anything. Instead, he says, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. He says, in everything, pray and talk to God with thanksgiving. Frame it with gratitude. Man, I want to talk to you about framing this thing with gratitude in just a second. Hang on, because we're going to be right back. Thank you for your generosity to Fresh Faith. Your financial partnership helps us take the message and the hope of Jesus to every corner of the planet. When you donate to Fresh Faith, you are helping people meet Jesus for the first time. You're also helping people grow spiritually in their faith. And you're helping give free resources to local churches to help make a difference in communities, both spiritually, practically, and digitally. We want to invite you right now to go to freshfaith.org and donate so that you can help us change the world because together we are changing the world. All right, we are back. Ready? Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. It's not prayer and requests, it's, or just prayer and petition, which means like a, it's like you're petitioning God for something. You're requesting some things from God, right? You're going to him and asking him for some things. It's not prayer and asking him for things. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. It says prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is tied to the, to the petition. The reason thanksgiving is tied to the petition is because you've got to learn to frame, what's the word before he, when he says pray, pray about everything. You've got to learn to, to, to frame everything with thanksgiving. Woo! About to preach about framing with gratitude. When you frame something with gratitude, all of a sudden... You turn the problem into something that becomes a pedestal for God to lift you up on. You take what's blocking you and now it becomes a blessing to you. Why? Because I thought the cancer was going to take me out. 
But now I realize it just made me value the life and every moment that I have. I was living life, not even living for the moment, not even living in the moment, not even loving the people around me. But now because of my diagnosis, I take every single moment and take it for all that it's worth. Soak every ounce out of it. And I love my family more intentionally. And I love my friends more intentionally. And I have every conversation with purpose. And I live life to the fullest. Is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. But it became a blessing instead of something that blocks me simply because I framed it with gratitude. And if you're angry about something or you can't get over something today, you need to learn how to reframe your circumstance, reframe your problem. Maybe you need to reframe your marriage. Maybe you need to reframe your relationship, your job. Maybe you need to reframe your politics. Come on, somebody. With gratitude. You need to reframe it with gratitude and it changes the way that you see it. When you frame something with gratitude, it's like putting on new glasses that help you see something clearly the way that it was always meant to be seen. You need to frame yourself with gratitude. You need to frame your past with gratitude. You need to frame your current circumstances with gratitude. Frame your health with gratitude. Frame who you are with gratitude. And it will help you understand the way that God sees you. Because when I frame something with gratitude, I put on the lenses that God sees me through, that God sees the circumstance through, that God sees everybody else through, that God sees it with. When I put on the frames of gratitude, I'm looking at it from God's perspective. And it gives me comfort, takes away the worry. Remember the context, it takes away the worry and allows me to pray, to pray. Remember, it's in the context of prayer here in contrast to worry. It helps me to pray with the heart of God, with the motive of God, pray his will as opposed to my will because I'm framing it with gratitude, which is always the correct response. Gratitude is always the right response. And he says, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, what? Present your request to God. How many requests to God do you give that are outside of thanksgiving? Outside of thankfulness, outside of the framing of gratitude. Any request we give to God that is not framed in gratitude is a request that is being given in the wrong manner. Frame it with gratitude and then give it to God. Why? Because that's what it looks like to pray his will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How's it done on earth? Framing it with gratitude, living in love. And when I frame something with gratitude, by default, I live it in love. And the way that I live it in love is by framing it in gratitude. It changes everything. And I think a lot of the times the problems that happen in our lives are results of ingratitude. Maybe that's not a word, ungratitude. <laughs> but that's what I believe. I believe that most of the things that are problems to us are simply a result of us not framing that which it is in gratitude. Now watch what he says. Watch what he says. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is not a standalone promise. It doesn't say... The peace of God will. It says, and the peace of God will. When will? It says, and it will. 
Well, what's attached to and? What's on the other side of the conjunction there? What's it tied to? What is this peace of God that passes all understanding? Because I think that we can both agree that we want the peace of God that passes all understanding. What's the opposite of worry? Peace. Don't worry about anything. Skip through the how. But receive the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. That will guard your heart. Come on, you need that. And guard your mind. You might need that more because that's the window to the heart. You need it to guard those things in Christ Jesus. It'll guard your heart and your mind. That peace will. You need that. How do you get that? What's in between? What's in between? Don't worry and get the peace. What's it say? Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition in thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When you frame your life in gratitude, there will be a peace that counters all understanding. No one can understand the peace you have in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a financial crisis in your life. In the middle of a health crisis in your life. In the middle of a relational crisis in your life. In the middle of a, of a, of a marriage crisis in your life. In, a, in, in any type of crisis in your life. With unimaginable grief and pain that comes from death. There can be a surpassing peace when you frame it with gratitude. Gratitude has the power to change absolutely everything in your life. And when you frame it with gratitude, you're giving God the keys to your life. But when you fail to frame your life in gratitude, you have handed the keys over to the circumstances that surround you. But you gave your joy away to those circumstances. And it is time to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, take your joy back. Look, I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you live. I don't know what circumstances have happened in your past. About to put down this Bible, finish out, pick up there next week, and we're going to preach for a minute to close this out. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know where you've been. I don't know your story. You don't know my whole story. We don't know each other's stories all the way through. We don't. And that's okay. It's okay that we don't know each other's stories. But, but there's something I do know, something you know, is that every single thing that you've overcome in your life can be used to serve God's purpose in your life. God may not have caused all those things in your life. I don't believe he did cause those things. But he can make something beautiful from all of those things in your life. And when you learn to frame the crap that happened to you in gratitude, I hear you. Aaron, how am I supposed to be thankful that I was abused? The moment that you choose to take your joy back, that's when. You got to find a way. You got to find a way to let it not continue to control you, but you take control of it. It's time. Today is the time. Now is the moment. No matter what has happened in the past year to you, in the past few years, in the past decade, in the lifetime that you've lived, today is the day. This is the moment. Everything changes right now. 
Right now, you choose to frame it in gratitude. Right now, you choose to see it through the lens of what God can do from it and through it into the future that he's called you to instead of allowing it to control the present and the future that you will walk in. Today, you're taking back the keys to your purpose. You're taking back the keys to your joy. You're taking back the keys to your peace. And we're going to stop worrying about what tomorrow looks like. Your retirement's good. Screw your 401k. Today is the day that your trust is not in your financial gain, but it's in, the, it's in the hands of the one who holds tomorrow. Because let's all just be honest, no matter what trust you put in your own finances, tomorrow everything could tumble. Be responsible, be prepared, but trust God the most. Stop worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow with your health. It's not here. Instead, live in this moment. Don't let yesterday rob you of the only thing that you actually have, which is this moment. Don't let tomorrow that doesn't even exist yet rob you of the purpose God has for you in this moment. Purpose that is full of love and peace that you could actually be living in right now. Take the keys back. It is time to live in peace. It is time to live in love. It is time to free yourself of stress and worry. And it comes in knowing who Jesus is and praying with prayer and framing it with gratitude. Love yourself well by loving people well around you. And when you love yourself, well enough to be able to love other people well. That latter part of loving other people well is how you love God well, actively. If you want to know how to love God, love people. That's what it looks like to love God. And when you're free to do that, to extend grace out that you've received, Maybe extend grace in that you've received. All of a sudden, you learn how to frame some things in gratitude. And you begin to take back the keys of joy and peace in your life. Able to pray with thanksgiving. Keeping you from worrying and being stressed. Today's the day. Today is the day. This is the moment. Right now right now. I'll see you next week.